The following message was given at Emanuel Baptist Church, Coconut Creek, Florida. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew for our devotional reading before we talk, come to the supper. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. This, of course, is the portion where the Lord has instituted the Lord's Supper, which we often read because it directs us to the very act of our obedience to the command of our Savior. Verse 26 of chapter 26, I'll read these words. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and, after, and, and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood in the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Our concentration will be on the verse 28, where you have these words. The Lord said this, this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now in the context of our living today we know in our own country that there is a lot of crime, criminals, what we could consider in the biblical term sins that are occurring. And when we look at the scriptures we find that the Bible talks to us about the Christian's sins. We are know, We know that the real answer to our society's problems is the gospel when they are brought to light to the the commands of God and the judgments of God as we have just read and then they can hear the message of the Savior which is of course desperately needed but in Romans chapter 7 when the Apostle Paul writes concerning the struggles of the Christians that they have with sin he makes this statement concerning the use of the law and uh, it's contained in verse 13 he says this has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. I want us to concentrate on those two words, exceedingly sinful. I think it's very important for us to know and to be aware of being light in our thoughts of sin. We need to see how horrible and how bad sin is in the eyes of God. Now, early in our Christian life, often we are so tender in our consciences that we are afraid of the slightest sin. In a sense, what we're saying is it's a godly fear lest we sin or offend God. And sad to say that soon after, because of the rough handling and our surrounding of this world, that timidity is removed. It is a sad truth that even Christians may grow by degrees callous so that the sin which once startled them does not even alarm them in the least. It is by degrees that men are familiar with sin. A little sin startles us. 
But we say, ah, just a little sin. And then another sin comes, and a larger sin comes, and another sin comes, and by degrees, we begin to regard sin as just a little problem, a little problem. Then follows an unholy presumption. We think that we have not fallen into open sin. And that may be true. But we just tripped a little is our thought. We think that's the case. But we really, we think, we stand upright in the main. You may have uttered one unholy word, but as far as the most of our conversation, it's been consistent. That's the way we think. And so what do we do? We palliate sin. We askew sin. We make it appear less. We throw a covering over it. We call it by kind names. It's interesting as you would reflect upon your life and you can see how that occurs little by little. As Christians, we must be aware of how we think lightly of sin. We must take heed lest we fall little by little. Is sin a terrible thing? Is sin a little thing? We know that sin is a horrible thing. It's a deadly poison. And who can know its deadliness? And it's important for us to see that this deadliness is contained in the idea that little by little it comes. Like those great trees that are cut down little by little, you know, either an axe or even a chainsaw. It's little by little. And so that sin keeps coming just like a little continual dripping wears away on the stone. It's an important principle that we need to know, and that is the exceeding sinfulness of sin. I believe we must cover ourselves with the remembrance of our Redeemer's suffering, sufferings. As we come to the Lord's table and we see his crown of thorns and his sufferings and anguish and the bitterness and the woe and the piercing of his own heart for our sins will help us to see something of the nature of the exceeding sinfulness of sin. I believe that if we weighed the least sin in the scales of eternity, we would flee from it as we would flee from a deadly serpent. We would abhor the least appearance of evil if we saw it in the light of eternity. Now, as we are looking upon sinning in which we look upon a crucified Savior, then we will also see something of the exceeding sinfulness of sin. And in doing so, we will see our great Savior and His saving power. And that's what I want to talk about, consider for a few months right now. One of the ways of seeing, this, of seeing the exceeding sinfulness of sins by the appointed means of this doing in remembrance of me. I would like to consider this in the light of that so that we would understand how we can find ourselves in the light of our sins before a holy God. I'd like us to consider the question, how can we exercise sin at the Lord's Supper? I'm sorry. <laughs> what a change of words. How can we exercise faith at the Lord's Supper? How can we exercise, I guess I got the attention, faith at the Lord's Supper? As we consider, as we remember the Lord's death in this ordinances, we are to put faith, put faith to work for the forgiveness of our sins. 
We know the gospel. We know the message of the, tr- the cross. We know the sufferings of our Savior. We know that he died for our sins. But we need to put that faith to work as we look at the means of the forgiveness of our sins. I came across some thoughts of an old Puritan. An old Bunyan said in this Pilgrim's Progress, old, it's O-L-E, not old. He's old, but I guess. He said, there was Christian talking to hopeful. And he said this, to prevent drowsiness in this place, let us fall into good discourse. I think this is helpful and encouraging for us as we now fall into this discourse and this consideration, considerations of our thoughts concerning Christ's death. We can put it into a good discourse. It's nothing new. It's not nothing profound. It is profound, but it's not nothing profound to us that we've not known. And here's what I want us to do and how we can exercise faith at the Lord's Supper. We must make faith use the blood and death of Christ for us in our respect to God and secondly in our respect to ourselves. Or we can say it this way. Faith is to be used in our appeal to God and faith is to be used in our applying it to ourselves. So first of all, we must put faith to work in our appeal from Christ's blood to God in this way. First, we are to pray this way, consciously in, 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 in our communion with God. We are to pray this. I, myself, am exceedingly sinful. My sins are, an abominable, are abominable in your sight. They are worse, worse than the venomous snake is in our eyes. And they are more than the hairs of our head. But, and here we come, to exercising our faith. But Lord, here is precious the precious blood of Christ which is your son and he shed his blood to make me acceptable in your sight. Peter tells us we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so we come continually, Father, it is because of your son's blood shed on behalf of my sins that you make me precious in your sight. Our Father, it is because of your shed, or his shed blood, that you have made me even honorable in your sight. I would dare not consider the possibility except you have said, we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. My Father, it is because of your words, which I believe, and I am only bold through this precious blood in applying that blood to myself, exercising faith in the remembrance of Christ. In addition to that, we can come before him and say, I have violated your law. I have broken your commandments. I have greatly sinned against your law. But Lord, here is forgiving blood. Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I was an enemy to you, but you have said that there is reconciling blood, and by him to reconcile all things by himself to by him, having made peace through the blood of his cross. I trust in this. And now, because of reconciling blood, I am a friend to God who is appeased. And then in addition to that, we can say, Lord, I am, or I was, in worse bondage than Israel was in Egypt because I was a captive of the devil. I was a slave to my lost soul. But, Lord, here is purchasing blood. 
Your word declares to the shepherds of the church of Ephesus, to the shepherd of the church of God, which he uh, purchased with his own blood. And so we come exercising our faith in the confidence of the word that God has said he has purchased us. Again, we continue. You have said that I am bought with a price, which your son has paid for my redemption, for my uh, ransom. It is through this blood and the promise that I humbly believe that I am delivered and redeemed, exercising faith in the truth of God. I will depend upon you to supply all my needs and all that this blood has bought and purchased for me, exercising faith. And then again, Lord, I have no righteousness of my own. My righteousness is only as filthy rags before you, and I need to be just in your sight. And Romans says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. I am ashamed of my good works. I am ashamed of my prayers. I am ashamed for you to see my best conduct. But here is justifying blood. Here is a crucified Christ, and he has been made righteousness for me, exercising our faith. By your help, I do rely upon the crucified Savior to make me righteous before your eyes. I do not claim any actions of my own for my justifying righteousness before you. I reach out with the hand of faith to be justified by his blood. I find that precious. That's where our hope is. That's where we can find ourselves confident because we exercise our faith in the promise that God has given. And then, Lord, I am not only guilty, but I am polluted. Sin has so defiled me that it would condemn me. Lord, I have a heart as black as hell, as guilty as an unclean, and unclean as the unclean spirits themselves. But, but here is blood to wash me and will and to give me pardon. Here is blood to cleanse me from the filth as well as save me from the guilt of my sins. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Here is blood to cleanse my defiled soul. I do believe you will wash me and make me clean. Lord, here is the blood that makes me clean. Lord, my sin is so bad I cannot even speak and plead before you because of who you are. But here is pleading, speaking blood. Hebrews 12 tells us, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. His blood pleads for me. And we would plead, Lord, plead for me as my advocate. My sins plead against me, but here is blood that speaks, that pleads. I believe you would rather hear the pleading of your son's blood than the pleading of my own sins against you. And then, Lord, I am depressed. I am often full of fear. There are many things that keep me from finding true comfort. My sins keep me from comfort. The carrying out of my own duties, they do not even reveal real comfort. But, Lord, here is comforting blood. O Lord, the blood of your Son is living water to soothe my dejected heart. 
That's where we can find comfort. We come by faith to the bleeding wounds of God's Son, the Lord Jesus, and draw comfort for our hearts that so desperately need it. Can you find a better place to find comfort than the promise and that work that Christ has done for us? And then, Lord, my sins are not only made me filthy, but they have hardened my heart. I hope some of these experiences feel in your hearts as they do mine. Sometimes I feel it soften, but other times it feels as hard as stone. Sometimes it seems as though there's no heart as hard as mine, but here is heart softening blood. Listen to what Ezekiel said in chapter 11. He says, Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of my flesh, and give them a heart of flesh. And we pray, Lord, may I feel the virtue and the power of it to make me have a heart of flesh. Lord, I believe. I believe I will be softened by the blood. And that's true if we believe that and we recognize it. And then, Lord, my sins are very strong and powerful. And sometimes I think they not only rage, but they reign. Sometimes it seems that there's no principle of grace to check or to control my sin, but my pride is so strong. My evil passions are still so strong. My lusts are very strong. But here is sin-killing blood that can hold down sin's strength and power. This blood has held sins down in the heart of others, and now I believe it will hold sin down in my heart. Heart, it's sin-killing blood. And then finally, Lord, my heart is often dark and dull, and I cannot pray as I want with true life. And so I cannot serve with life. I want to, but my heart is so dead and dull. But here is life-giving blood. Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. Lord, give me now the power of life, the life-giving blood, that I might serve you with life. How encouraging this should be to us. There's the answer. Now we are to make use of all of God's, all the benefits of the blood of Christ for our remembrance of Christ when we put to faith, put faith to work in our appeal from Christ's blood to God. Now quickly, our second point, and very sh- much shorter. When we consider the blood of Christ in this ordinance, we are to set our faith to work and apply it to ourselves. I, 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 I'm relating, I think, things that we experience, and I think this can be profitable for us to consider and that is to stop the voice of our conscience our conscience seeks to speak out to us especially at the table I don't know if you know this or if you experience this you come to remembrance of Christ and you see all that is being portrayed in this magnificent remembrance uh, a service which is so important for us and that's when the realities of our sins what it cost our Savior it comes to our minds and our conscience says yeah you seek you think you're right. You need, to be, you need to be really examine your heart. And it will rightly and justly accuse us because our conscience is probably no more than the devil does. And there are many evil thoughts and inward sinful workings in our hearts, even at the table, in remembrance of what we've done or even at our own hearts and dealing with the supper itself. Well, we're to use some of the excellencies of the blood of Christ as that basis which can quiet and stop our conscience. How do we do this? Like this. 
Very simple. Conscience. You tell me of blasphemous thoughts, wicked thoughts, evil thoughts, distracting thoughts, and I agree with all of your accusations, but listen, conscience, here is blood that has satisfied God, and you, conscience, must be satisfied. Here is a blood that has reconciled me. Here is this blood. God is at peace with me, and you, conscience, must be also. Because of the blood. Remember, it's just, there's a basis for this. It's not because we say it and do it, but it's because of the blood. This is the way that we can get the peace of conscience. It is on this solid ground, based on the promises and the work of Christ, that we can have a firm peace between our soul and our conscience. We must make a particular application of the blood. Application of the blood in all of its virtues and all its benefits by faith. It's life-giving blood, heart-softening blood, justifying, sanctifying, pleading blood. It is the crucified Savior who is the object of justifying faith. We who have a real and living faith will be able to have all that is needed to satisfy all doubts and fears and provide for all of our needs. It's like a basic medicine to cure all souls' problems. It is a real and living faith in the blood and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood and death of our Lord, with all of its virtues and efficacies, is to and will draw faith to do its work as we remember the Lord at the table, exercising faith. Let me quickly give an example that is given to us in Psalm 51 of David's uh, of con- his confession. In verse 14 it says this, Deliver me from the, blood, the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud your righteousness. Notice the solemn confession. He plainly names his sin. He does not call it manslaughter, but he calls it by its true name, bloodshed. He did not actually kill Bathsheba's husband, but it was the plan in his heart. And before God, he was his murderer. We must learn in confession to be honest with God. We are not to give sweet names to foul sins. They will not make it smell any sweeter. What God sees them to be is what we are to labor to feel them to be. David was oppressed by the heinousness of his sin. It is easy for us to use words, but it is difficult for us to feel the meaning. Psalm 51 is is a photograph of a contrite heart. And we must seek after the brokenness of heart. It is a heart consciousness of the hell deservingness of sin that we need in order to expect to find forgiveness. That's when the blood is valuable. That's when we can feed upon him. That's when we can trust it because we have nowhere else to go. And we need it. We need it. Secondly, David in his prayer was an earnest prayer. He addressed God, who of course is the one who is a prerogative to forgive sin. And brought before his name. And his office is very, the one who can give forgiveness of sins for those who come to seek him. But better, he calls him the God of my salvation. We heard this this morning. When we come to him in his name through the blood of Christ, we can rejoice in the God of my salvation. Very valuable. Believe it. Next, David's vow, he will Uh, If God will deliver him, he will sing. He will sing aloud. 
Notice the subject of his song, Your Righteousness. It is the finished work of our precious Savior that we can know forgiving love and sing the loudest. We hope you were edified by this message. For additional sermons, as well as information on giving to the ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church and on our current building project, you can visit us online at ebcfl.org. That's ebcfl.org.